You're listening to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm one of the pastors at Mountain Park. Whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this from, I just want you to know that we consider it a privilege to spend time together with you. The mandate of our church is to provoke and ignite a deep hunger and longing for the presence of Jesus in our lives and the formational work of the Spirit in us and through us for the sake of the world around us. And this series that we're in the middle of uh, as we kind of come to the end of 2022 is called Rekindle. Today, uh, in a moment, I will pass you off to Pastor Brenda as she talks about uh, what it means to trust God and how trust is actually an essential ingredient in rekindling the fire and the flame of God's presence in our life. Uh, Next week, um, I'm going to be talking about faith, and we're trying to help you distinguish in these weeks the difference between trust and faith. And so uh, I'm going to pass it off to Pastor Brenda as she talks about what it means to actually trust God. I hope you have an amazing week this week. I'll see you next week. It's good to see you all here this morning. I feel like it's been a minute since I've had the chance uh, to come and and to speak to you, so I'm excited this morning. Um, We are in our series called Rekindle, and we're gonna talk about what it means to trust God today. Before we get into that, I just want to remind you that today is our giveaway offering. And so once a year, if you're not a part of our church family or maybe you're new here and you don't know what that means, I just wanna take a minute to explain that to you. So once a year, we have decided to set aside one Sunday where everything that comes in in terms of giving will be given away to meet needs here within our church and in our local community. And in the past years, we've been able to do some extraordinary things and and give an extraordinary blessing into people's lives. And we can't um, talk about all of the details of what we would like to do, but we can tell you that there are needs right here in our own church family. We have one fellow in particular um, who really needs a used car. He is uh, disabled, he is on ODSPs, unable to get around, and he's recently had an accident, totaled his car, and he needs a good used car in order to be able to get around. And so that's one of the things we're thinking about doing. And there's other needs and, and things happening in our community where we would love to meet those needs, but we need to see what comes in today and we'll let you know where all of that goes. But today is a day to consider what can I give to invest and sow into my church family and my local community. And every dollar that comes in from the offering today will be given away. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I don't know if you've been reading those emails, but in the last few years since we've been doing this, it's been something like, is it over a, uh, over $140,000 that we've given away just in the last few years into our church community. And so, uh, and 
outside of that as well. And so we're going to encourage you to give today. You can give online today, and that will be included. Or you can use the envelopes that are in the seat pockets in front of you, and you can give physically here today. There's debit and credit at the information bar after the service as well. And I wanted to, as we start to talk about trust, I wanted to tell you that we've recently flipped this because as you also maybe know, next week will be what we call our year-end offering. One Sunday, once a year, where we ask you to give above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings to sow into ministry and the life of our church for the advancement and growth of ministry here at Mountain Park. Just once a year, we ask you to give above and beyond. We call it our year-end offering. And for the first few years that we were doing this, we did the year-end offering first, and then the next week after that, we would give away that offering. And last year in prayer time, Pastor Andrew felt that the Holy Spirit was just prompting him to switch the order of that as an act of trust in God that we would give away first and then receive for ourselves. And so we flipped that last year and we did, we've, we're keeping it that way. Does that make sense? We're trusting God that whatever comes in this week, we can give it away. And next week there'll be more that he's going to provide, that he's going to take care of our needs, that he is going to give us everything that we need to do the ministry he calls us to do here at Mountain Park, amen? And that we can give away this week. And so we invite you to be a part of that. I'm gonna remind you about it again at the end of the service, but I hope that you've been in prayer and just prayerfully considering how you can be involved in the giveaway offering this year. So as we move forward in this series called Rekindle, we have been talking about the ways that God stirs our hearts for his presence, the ways that he uh, is working inside of us to stir up the presence of God. And we talked about the scripture where Paul says to Timothy, you stir up the gift of God inside of you. There's a part that we play, an active participation that we have in rekindling the fire of God in our own lives. And one of the ways that we do that is through our trust in him. It's one of the ways that that fire inside of us is rekindled. And I'm gonna share some of my own stories of how this has um, really actually not just rekindled the fire of God inside of my own life, but taught me to trust him more and more and more and grown my capacity in that way. And as we jump into this, this is gonna be a really practical message today. A lot of just how to do this. Because I feel like the more I talk to people, the more I interact with them, the one thing that holds us back the most is that we just don't trust God. We just don't trust Him. And we say that we do and we sing the songs and if someone asked us, we'd give the good Christian answer, of course I trust God, I'm supposed to, right? It's in the Bible, it's what everybody talks about, of course I trust him. But when it comes to how we live and work out our everyday life, we keep trusting in ourselves and our resources and the things that we have and the things we can see instead of trusting in the unseen, unknown power of the living God. We forget that he is above and beyond what we can comprehend or grasp. We forget that he has unlimited power that we haven't even seen a glimpse of yet. And most of all, 
The greatest reason that we don't trust God is that we don't understand how much he loves us. If I could say my simplest definition of the word trust would be the human heart's response to a loving God. I think it was David Benner in his book, Surrender to Love. He said the, the question on every human heart, the greatest question we have is God, do you love me? And the greatest question on God's heart is will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust that my love is great enough for you? This area of trusting God is difficult for a lot of people. We say it, but do we really? Do we really? Do we act on it? Or are we just trying to manage our own lives and predict the outcomes so that we never have to experience anything difficult? So what exactly is trust? 1 John 4, 16 in the New Living Translation says this, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. I feel like faith is more of an action word. We get these, these intertwined and I think a little bit confused all of the time. Trust and faith. Faith is an action. It's what I do. Trust is who I am, a deeply loved child of God. It is about my identity. At the base, at the core of who I am, I am loved by God. If I am nothing else in this world, I am loved by God. And if I truly understand how much he loves me, how great his love is for me, I would never pause, I would never hesitate to step out in faith and do the things he asks me to do. If I understood how much his heart was turned towards me, how often his gaze was on me, what he knew about me and how he loved me so deeply, would I ever hesitate to step out and do what he asked me to do? While faith is about our actions and the things God calls us to do, trust is a heart level thing. It's an experience with God. It, it's our relationship with him. It's a very personal thing. I need to trust God in my heart in order to respond in faith. faith. Trust happens in my inner world. It's relational. Faith is how you'll see it play out in my everyday life. When you see that I'm responding to what God says in his word, that I'm putting it into practice in my life, that faith comes from a deep trust in my heart that God loves me. Is this making sense? So trust is essential. It's the starting point of the Christian life. When you heard the gospel story and you understood that there was a God in heaven who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins, to willingly lay down his life for yours, you said, yes, I want that. You responded to love. God always makes the first move. He always steps out and loves us first. We're just called to respond to that love. And so when you were saved, that was your first yes to the love of God. And you were probably really excited at first. It was easy to say yes to God. But slowly, 
our experiences and the things that we encounter wear on us and we get disappointed and disillusioned sometimes with God. We stop trusting Him. We start holding back in areas of our life, maybe areas we've never surrendered, never trusted Him with. Andrew talked a couple of weeks ago about the enlightenment and how everything in culture sort of shifted towards the need for information and knowledge. But in the Hebrew, this word for trust is very relational and experiential. And I feel like we miss something if we dumb it down to just information. God wants to impart something into your life that you will not get just through information. It comes from a face-to-face encounter, a heart-to-heart experience with a living God. Trust is relational. I think if you knew how much God loves you, if you could just understand, I mean, we read it in scripture, we sing about it, but do we really know it? Do we live like it's true? Do I live my life? Do I make the decisions every day? Do the things that come out of my mouth line up with the fact that I am a beloved child of God? Or are they coming out of my own flesh in the way that I see the world? My own perspective and my own brokenness. If you knew that you were a deeply loved child of God, that you are held securely in his hands. If you saw everything that comes into your life every day as a gift of his grace, if we were able to be, to be able to look at the circumstances in our life, even the difficult things, the hardships and the suffering as we saw with Philip and Robin here last week, if we were able to look at those things and say, I still trust God, I still see God, I still know that he has me in his hand. He's got me. He knows everything about me. He knit me together in the darkness of my mother's womb. He knows my thoughts. He knows the words that will come out of my mouth before I speak them. And he loves me dearly and has a plan for my life. He wants the best for me. And I want that for myself. If we truly knew how much we were loved by God, we would never hesitate. That his capacity and his resources are so much greater than our own. That we are firmly held in his eternal kingdom. That there's victory and freedom that he has prepared for us. And only he knows how to walk us into that. I would have no problem responding to the things I see in God's word. I would have no problem tithing. I would have no problem abstaining from sex outside of marriage. I would have no problem loving my enemy if I really understood how much I'm loved by God and held securely in his hand. I would have no problem doing the things he asked me to do. Because I would know that it's not because he's judgmental or wants to ruin my life, but actually because he loves me so much, he knows these things are the best for me. And he knows that if I would just do them, if I could just be obedient and do the things he's asked us to do, and trusting that he'll take care of the rest, he does. Every single time. Every time.
So trust, trust by definition in the Old Testament, this Old Testament word for trust is a confidence in, reliance on, a security in, or total dependence. I love these words. I'm gonna say them again. Confidence, reliance, security, and total dependence. But there's another part of this word as I was digging in some, some lexicons and, you know, that's what pastors do, right? We read lexicons and concordances all week long. I was digging around with this word because I saw something in, in the, the first like easy definition that I read that I wanted to understand more. Because it's, it said those words, confidence, reliance, dependence, and then it said to fall face down. I was like, I don't, what does that mean? So I looked it up a little further and one of the other uh, resources that I was looking at said it this way, to throw oneself face down and lie extended on the ground. Is that what it means to trust God? We talk a lot about surrender in the church world, don't we? We talk a lot about surrender. We've used that word a lot lately. And we tie it together with trust. But I wanna show you something today. I've done this illustration here before, back a few years ago. I asked my husband this week if he remembered it and he said no. He probably doesn't remember anything I say or preach on ever. It's probably just a lot of mumble jumble to him. But in case you weren't here or you missed this, I wanna, I wanna show you by an illustration what this actually means. So I'm gonna invite Harry and Felipe to come up here for a sec. They're gonna come up onto the stage and they're actually gonna act this part out for us and show us what it means to trust God because I think this will help it to stick with us. Is that okay? So I'm gonna ask you guys to go right up here on, on the stage so everyone can see you. Now, uh, I've asked Harrison to, to play just one of us. He's gonna be your average everyday Christian. Harrison represents each one of us. And Felipe, just a sec, I'll tell you when to go. Felipe is the Holy Spirit. He got the good role today. Um, he's gonna play the part of the Holy Spirit. So Harrison is come up against something in his life that's difficult. Just like every one of us, he's saying to himself, I wanna learn how to trust God more with this. And so as the definition says, he falls face down on the ground. Face down on the ground. That's right, I said, you just have to listen to what I say and do it. <laughs> he falls face down on the ground. Now from this position, Harrison, can you see anything? No. Can you tell what's going on around you? No. Do you have much perspective? No. You're at the complete mercy of whatever is going on around you. This is what it means to trust God. This, this position, this posture, you might recognize this as being similar to when a police officer wrestles someone to the ground to render them defenseless and immobile, they would put them in this position. They're vulnerable. They have no way of fighting back. But how often, Harrison, do we get back up do we get back up and just keep walking on our own? 
and just keep doing it our own way. How often do we take that, we get, we lie down there in the morning and we pray our morning prayer and we say, God, I surrender everything to you. I give you my whole day. And then we get up out of our prayer chair and we, we like Harrison, imposture in our heart, get up and start solving things and controlling things and doing things and making things happen in our own power rather than actually trusting God. So Harrison has to come back again and lay down again and say, God, I'm giving this back to you. I'm surrendering what's happening right now to you. And here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And the Holy Spirit comes and leans close in to Harrison while he's praying and asking God for help. And from his vantage point, the Holy Spirit can see what's coming. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on all around Harrison. And he can bring truth into his life and whisper into his ear what he needs to hear. So that when he gets back, <laughs> nobody's whispering to him right now. <laughs> so that when Harrison does get back up off the ground, he's got something that he can run with. Something that he can act in faith with. Because God's been there in that moment when he's been totally vulnerable. And he's brought revelation and truth in life. Does that make sense? This is what it means to trust God. Thank you guys. Give these guys a hand. They did a good job. Sometimes the greatest act of faith is simply a heart that is completely surrendered to the work that God wants to do. Not just in the big things but in the little things of our lives every single day, in the little moments every day, are we completely surrendered and trusting God with everything? Because I know for me, I'm a lot like Harrison was. I come to God and I pray and I'm like, God, I trust you with this situation. I trust you with my kids, but when I see things going awry, I wanna get in there and I wanna fix it and I wanna meddle and I wanna control the outcome. But if I really trust God, I've got to stay in this posture all of the time. In every conversation, in every interaction that I have with my kids, I have to stay like that. Until the Holy Spirit whispers to me, you need to say this, or you need to do this. And do you know what? If you trust him, he will. I remember praying a prayer of trust and faith, releasing um, my son in particular to God's care. He had gone to university that he was, he's our oldest, so that was new for me. And he was, he was gone. He was living in Hamilton. He was going to McMaster. He wasn't far away. He came home pretty often, but he was outside of our home and outside of our care. God had given him to me. He trusted me with him. And then there he was out in the world and I was worried about him and it was consuming me. So I had really gone to prayer and I said, God, I trust you with him. And I released it and I left it. And I actually for a while stopped praying for him. Not if he came to mind, I would pray or whatever, but it wasn't like a, you know, that urgent, like every day I need to pray for this kind of thing. I was like, no, I'd actually come to the place where I trusted God with his life. And I remember being prompted one day when I was driving down the highway and I was stirred in my spirit urgently with a need to pray for him for his safety. So I did. 
I prayed for five minutes or so, really urgently actually, for his safety in my car. And then I kind of forgot about it and went on with my day. And the next day we found out that the brakes uh, on his truck had broken. I don't know, Mark probably knows exactly what happened. Some brake line or something. And he had a little fender bender on his street because the brakes didn't work in his truck. But I just thought to myself, where was he yesterday? Where was he yesterday? When I was prompted to pray for him, was he on the highway? What was going on in his life when I was prompted to pray for his safety? When I learned how to trust God and release those things to him, so I'm not worried about it and thinking about it and consumed by it all of the time, he cares enough for us that he will prompt us when we need to pray. He will tell us when something needs to change. He will whisper in our ear and say, hey, I think you need to go have that conversation now. If we leave it in his hands and we trust him with it. As long as we're worrying about it and fretting about it and fearful about it and discouraged and doubting every single day, we're not giving God the space to trust him, to move and to work. Jesus is our ultimate example even in what we saw with Harrison here, Jesus willingly laid down his life. No one made him do it. He willingly laid down his life. Now I gave that example of a police officer wrestling someone to the ground, but God will never do that. He asks us to willingly take up this posture of trust and surrender. To willingly lay down our life, our thoughts, our emotions, how we feel about things, everything that's going on in our world, he asks us to willingly lay it down, just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus did. So when we trust God, we give him room to work in every situation in our life. And I have been praying a prayer. Um, I brought it to our prayer meeting on Monday night and I shared it with the little group there and I may share it with the rest of you through an email this week. It's called the Apprentice Prayer. I came across it in a program that I'm in and I've been praying it every day in my own life. And it's a hard prayer to pray. <laughs> it's, it like trips me up a little bit in its wording of how to trust God. But one of the things in this prayer is that it says, today I'm, I'm gonna trust everything that comes into my life today <clears throat> as a way for you to teach me and mold me into the likeness of your son. So today I pray everything, your will, your way, and your perfect timing. Everything, your will, your way, and your perfect timing. Now that's maybe easy to say, but I wanna break this down a little bit because I want us to really understand, I've needed to pause and understand what I'm praying when I pray this, your will, your way, your perfect timing is a prayer of trust. So what do I mean when I say your will? God's will for us is always rooted in his love for us. He's not going to ask us to do things that aren't good for us. Everything that he asks us to do, whether it's in his word or revealed to us by the spirit, is out of love for us and the people around us. He only operates in love. We can trust that. God knows best and he is seeking the best 
for you in your life. I want for me what God wants for me. This has become something in my life because, you know, we're all quite selfish, aren't we, at times? We want for us what we want for us. <laughs> we want what we want. But if we could learn that what God wants for us is better than what we could ever want or desire for ourselves, then we will learn to want what he wants. That we will learn to long for and desire and want for ourselves what he wants for us, nothing more, nothing less. God, I want your will in my life. God's will is not mysterious to us. His will is not mysterious. He actually wants us to know his will. That's why he gave us the Bible, his word. It is full of his will for us. It's also full of his love for us, but it is full of, of things that we can understand his will for our lives. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve, that, that word means discern, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God's not trying to keep his will a mystery. He's saying, renew your mind in the truth, and then you'll be able to know and discern what God's will is for your life. You'll be able to know it. It's not that much of a mystery. And part of it is in the Bible. Part of it is in his word. In fact, most of what God would want for your life is in his word. And we keep seeking for a word, a revelation. God, speak to me. We want all this clarity about other things. But maybe if we just started doing what's in his word, maybe if we just started living the things he's already told us, then more revelation will come and more clarity will come. I feel like I'm pushing someone's buttons this morning. What is revealed through the Spirit always has to come back through the filter of Scripture. And a good way to discern and to judge something for yourself if you're unsure is to bring it to someone you trust. Discern it together in community. You can know God's will for you. God's not trying to trick you or confuse you when it comes to his will for your life. It's actually pretty clear. You can know what he wants for you. And you know what? I feel like sometimes, I'm just going to say this. This wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to throw it in anyways. I feel like sometimes we get really tripped up when we come to decisions because we, we're like, is this God's will or is that God's will? Do I take this job or that job? Do I, do you need, right? We get really tripped up. God, what's your will in this? If you've surrendered your life to Christ and you know that God loves you and he's on your side, he will let you know. And if he doesn't, just take a step forward and see what happens. He'll stop you if you're headed for danger. He'll let you know. He'll alert you. Like, like I feel like we get stopped. We, we stop because we're unsure of what to do. But sometimes we just need to keep walking and it will become more clear. One step at a time. That's often how God shows us, right? His will doesn't have to be a mystery, but sometimes his way is. Sometimes his way is. Your will, your way. 
Sometimes we know what God's will is, but we try to do it our way. We try to make it happen our way. We try to push it instead of waiting for God to do the work that he wants to do. When I pray your will, your way, I may know what it is God wants to do, but I very rarely know how he wants to do it. And more often than not, when God is working out his way in my life, it's hard because he wants to teach me something. He wants to teach me how to get out of my life the things that I'm trusting in or relying in more than him. And that's hard. That's hard for us. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. That's what we just talked about. And he will show you which path to take. So if you're seeking his will for your life, he's going to show you the path to get there. He will show you his way. But often, as I said, it's only one step at a time because he wants us to take that one step and then trust him, that he'll reveal the next step and then trust him, that he'll reveal the next step. And as we walk with him, he's revealing the path and revealing the way to us. That's hard for us. We want a five-year plan. We want to look 10 years into the future and know exactly what's going to happen. It doesn't happen that way with God. He says, trust me and just take one step in the right direction and I'll show you the next step. Trust me with your life. His ways aren't like our ways. We know that from scripture. His ways are different. They're bigger. They're more awesome but they're also going to touch on those things that we need to get out of our life in order to trust him more. He's going to begin to remove the obstacles in our life to trusting him more. Anything we're relying in, anything that we're putting our trust in outside of him, he's going to begin to strip those things away and remove them from our life. It's called growing and spiritual maturity. He's walking with us into something deeper and these things are painful because we would pick comfort over what's best every single time. We would go back to what's comfortable, how I want to do it, what I like, the things that soothe me, the things I've been putting my trust in. They've worked so far. Not anymore. I need you to do it my way. My way. God's ways are not like our ways. They're not like culture's ways. They're not like the things around us. They're often so different, it's hard for us to get our head around how it could be good. But it is. It's good. It's good at the heart of it. If God is asking you to do it, it's good. It's good for you. It's good for the people around you. It is for your best. But you've got to be able to trust him. Here's what trusting God is teaching me. That when it's hard, God is working out something in my life that I trust more than him. And this is an invitation from God to stay in the hard. It's an invitation from him to press into those difficult emotions, to press into my fear and my doubt and my insecurity. It's an invitation from him to meet me in my pain and suffering. 
It's an invitation to meet him in the hardships of life. As we let go of the things that we trust in and we learn to trust in him more, it is going to be difficult and painful. It's a refining fire, burning away the impurities, the things that we trust other than God. But at the end of the day, when I let those things go and I trust that I'm secure in the hands of God no matter what, that I trust in his love no matter what, I'm gonna end up walking through that with him and have more peace and more joy on the other side of it. Not necessarily because God has proved himself to me, but because I've seen his face and I've met him heart to heart in the middle of the deepest and hardest things. That builds your trust. When you meet God in those hard places, and then the next time you know he's gonna meet you again and again and again and again. I've learned that God is using the landscape of my life to refine me and make me more like his son. There's no easy way to do that. There's no quick fixes. There's nothing to alleviate my discomfort except his presence except laying down and letting him minister to me every single day and trusting him fully that he's got me. And the fruit that comes out of this kind of process in your life is incredible. And when you begin to see that, you'll want nothing else, nothing else. We'll do it over and over and over again willingly if we begin to see the peace and the fruit that it brings into our life to trust God and to do the things he asks us to do. We often stop trusting God in the middle of the hard places because he hasn't shown up in the ways that we desire or expect. See, we have an idea in our mind of what is good and loving. We have our own ideas of what a loving God would do. And when he doesn't do it the way we think he should do it, we get disheartened and disillusioned and we start to look away from him because he didn't show up the way we thought he would. This is why we say, we pray at the end of this, his timing. God, your will, your way, but I'm also gonna trust your timing. And this is an invitation for us to develop endurance and perseverance. It's a way for us to learn to be patient for the promises of God in our life. It's a way for us to lean in in the waiting and trust that God is still good and loving and kind, that our, that our life is still securely in our, his hands even if we're in a period of waiting. Trust will help us to persevere when trials, hardships, and testing delay the promise. I've had this mindset in my life that has helped me and brought me back in times when I feel disheartened, when I feel like God isn't showing up, 
when my circumstances look like he's not there, I pull myself back to his word and his promises to me. And I remind myself that he is good and he can be nothing else. And so if what I see doesn't look good, I'm still going to trust him that he is good and he is working on my behalf to bring about something better for me in my life. And if I trust him in the process, he will do what he set out to do. But so many times we abort the process because we get tired in the waiting and we're no longer willing to trust him and we do it our own way. Your will your way and your timing. Do we trust the timing of God? Do we trust that his time will be the perfect time and bring the perfect things into our life? I, I have brought, have had to bring myself back to this mindset so many times, these pillars of truth in my life that no matter what I see, no matter what is going on around me, God is good. He's got me firmly and securely in his hand and he will see me through. And we see in Hebrews 11, if you look at the end of Hebrews 11, you know, so often we read through Hebrews 11, this chapter of the forefathers of our faith. And we go, yes, Abraham and Moses. And we, we know what, we read all these stories, right? And we reflect on all the great things that happen in people's lives. But at the end, we stop reading before we get to the end of the chapter. And at the end of the chapter, it goes on about how people were martyred for their faith. And I, I, I didn't even wanna read it today because it's gruesome. What happened to some people for their faith? And then it says, even though they were commended for having faith, they never saw the promise. What? I'm gonna hold on my whole life in faith and trust and I'm not going to see the promise? It says, because God had something else in mind. I'm paraphrasing. God had something else in mind. He was leading them to the moment of the cross. He had something that was going to impact generations and he invited them to be a part of his story. And even though they didn't see the promise happen in their lifetime, their prayers and their efforts went on for generations and changed generations of time because they set their hearts to trust God. And would we be willing to do that? To say, God, even if I don't see the promise in my lifetime, I remember my my mom saying that to me before she died. My, I have brothers who aren't serving the Lord. And she said, they will. God's made a promise to me. And her prayers go on and on even after she's in heaven. I believe that the way my mom lived her life is still going to have an impact on my brothers and their families. I believe that. And even if we don't see the promises of God here on earth, we will see them in heaven. If Philip, who was here last week, did not receive his healing here on earth, he will receive it in heaven. It is waiting for him and it is his reward. It is a promise from God that he will be made whole and he will be. 
And so even though sometimes we have to wait, and even though sometimes we don't receive the promise here, we have a hope that is settled in eternity, and we are held by the eternal kingdom of God. We are safe in his hand no matter what happens to us. We need to broaden our perspective a little bit and stop thinking about just ourselves and the things we're suffering through today. And remember that there is an eternal story that he's invited us to be a part of. And long after we're gone, the things that we have done will impact other people's lives for generations. He is calling you to trust him, not just for you, but for the people around you. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you that's bigger than you could ever imagine. It's bigger than you could ever think. But you've got to trust him in order to walk in it and to experience it. One of the greatest ways, I'm, I'm almost done here. I'm going to land the plane, I promise, in a moment. If you are struggling with trusting God, if this has been an area of struggle for you and you know it, you know I struggle to trust God. The only way, the only way that I actually know how to grow in this area and, and just a practical way to connect with God is by gratitude, by act, actively looking for his activity and his work in my life every day. It will change your perspective and your mindset. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will. See, I told you God's will isn't too hard to find. It's there in the pages of the book. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 5.20 says, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is really simple. If trust grows through the experience of relationship, then we need to position ourselves to experience his love and care for us through gratitude. So you can ask yourselves these questions at the end of each day, maybe just as you're lying on your bed at the end of the day. God, where did I experience you today? Where were you moving and working in my life? What can I thank God for today? Asking these questions, these gratitude sort of questions. I'm looking on the landscape of my life for the activity of God. I'm asking him by his spirit, will you reveal to me where you are working? Because sometimes it's hard for us to see. Sometimes it's hard for us to perceive and recognize his activity. But every day he is there. He loves you. He's present whether you turn to him or not. And every day there is something that you can be thankful for that he's doing in your life. Every day. It's a way to turn our perspective towards God. It's a way to turn our hearts towards trusting him, looking for his activity in our everyday life. I'm going to invite Felipe just to come to the guitar. As we close, we're going to pray. But I want to share a story with you before we close. Just a really practical, everyday story of how this has worked out in my life and in my family, in trusting God. When Mark and I were uh, preparing to buy our first house, when we first got married, we rented a couple of houses and we had two kids. Uh, we were expecting Lexi, I think, our third. 
And we were growing out of the place that we were in and we were ready to buy our first home. This was uh, 22 years ago or something. It was a long time ago. And we wanted to really, this was a big deal, buying your first house. We wanted to really trust God with this process. So we started looking for schools and looking, you know, in areas that we thought made sense to us. And I remember finding um, a home that I was like, "Mm, this is nice. I can do something. I like this God, (laughs) right? But before we signed the papers and sent them in to pay for this house to make an offer, we stopped and we prayed. A prayer just like this, maybe not these exact words, but we said, God, if this is your will for us, if this is the house for us, if we are gonna be you know, good and blessed in this home, let this happen. If not, let it fall through and we'll trust you anyway. And it fell through. And I was so mad at God. <laughs> like, really? I said, I liked that house, God. Like, what is going on here, right? I said I liked it. I think he made a mistake. Like I had this whole back and forth with him. So another house on the same street comes up. Well, we, that was nice too. Okay, thanks God, that's great. Put an offer in on that house, prayed the same prayer. God, if this is your will for us, if this is the best house for us, will you let this go through? And if not, let it fall through because we don't want anything that's not your best for us. Guess what? Didn't get that house either. And a year and a half later, Mark's dad called us and he said, my sister's putting her house up for sale. So we went and we looked at Aunt Janet's house. And it actually backed onto the schoolyard where we wanted to send our kids to school. We ended up buying that house at a price that was low enough that we could also renovate it and make it perfect for our family. We put a gate in the backyard and when my kids went to kindergarten, I could just stand with a coffee in my pajamas and wave. I never had to get in a car and drive them to school. That could not have been a more perfect house for us. We have fond memories of that house and our young family there. It was perfect. But had I got what I thought was perfect, I would have missed out on what God had in store for me. That taught me that when we actually do trust God, when we pray those prayers and we leave those things in His hand, He is always working to bring the best things into our life. He is always at work and we don't know what He was doing. I don't know what He was doing for that year and a half. I don't know what He was working out to prepare that place for me, but I know that He was and I trust that. And so today, when I struggle with things, when I'm asking him for his help, I'm remembering that story and it rekindles the fire inside of my heart because I know that sometimes I have to wait and I know that sometimes it's not my way and what I think is best, but I also know that what God has in store for me is better than anything I would ever pick for myself. And if I wait, and if I persevere, and if I have the patience, He's going to bring those things into my life because He is good and He loves me and He wants the best for me, even if it's hard in the process. Amen. As we close today, I wanna invite you to pray with me. And 
what we're gonna pray about today is any area of our life where we're still struggling to trust God. So I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes. Just bring yourself before the Lord and quietly just ask Him to reveal if there's an area in your life where you're still struggling to trust Him. Maybe it's an area of finances. Maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe you struggle to trust Him with your kids like I did. Maybe there's a fear or anxiety around that thing that you don't trust God with. Maybe it's an, an addiction or an area of control. Maybe it's an area of growth. You know God is calling you to this, but you just, you're afraid. And as God just reveals to you an area where you're holding back in trust, where you actually don't trust Him yet, I'm gonna ask you to just stand on your feet quietly. I think there's gonna be people standing all over this room with things, areas of their life where they, they realize they don't yet fully trust God or need to lean in and trust Him a little bit more. Just stand and hold that thing with Him. He knows. He knows everything that's been going on in your life. He knows every difficult situation. He knows why it's hard for you to trust Him in this area. He knows. He's got you. He loves you so much. His love for you is greater than anything you could ever imagine. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And I'm just gonna ask you to bring this. Jesus, as I bring this area of my life, and you can just, you can repeat after me, or you can just say it quietly in your mind. Jesus, as I bring this area of my life to you today, I recognize this is an area where I'm still learning to trust you. I'm willing to take that posture of surrender and dependence. And I'm willing to wait on you for your will in this situation, for your way, your path for me, and for your very perfect timing to bring good things into my life. By your spirit, will you remind me when I try to pick this thing up again? Will you prompt me to bring it back to you, to release it again to your care? Will you teach me to stop striving and exercising control in this area of my life? Will you teach me to learn into, to lean into you for your wisdom, your guidance, your strength, your power? And Father, I give you permission to use this area of my life to make me more like Jesus. And today I choose to trust in your goodness and your care for me. So Father God, for every person who stood here today 
and admitted that there's areas where we don't fully trust you, I pray that you would work and move in these areas of our life as we take that posture of humility and vulnerability before you. I pray that your spirit would come and breathe life into us and speak truth over us and help us to see the one next step you want us to take. Jesus, we trust you. We declare that today. We choose it today. We willingly lay down our lives and trust you because we trust that you have good things in store for us. We love you, Jesus. Amen.